Thanks for tuning in and welcome to Same As It Ever Was, where we literally don't know what we're going to talk about. Hey there, buddy. How are you doing? Well, I thought that, brother. Hey, guy. God. <laughs> Every time, man, you just get me into the uh, whole like I know Mainer Mainer. <laughs> well, it's funny. I just hit you with uh, uh, a, a classic from my hometown here in Brunswick, man. There, uh, there used to be this dude. I don't think I've talked about him before on the show, but there used to be this dude who was. Uh, it was sort of like the town bum here. Oh, there once years. was a man from Maine. There once was a man from Maine. And he, <laughs> this dude's, this guy's name was Calvin Osno. Okay. And uh, Calvin was like, um, he was a fixture, man. I mean, he, he was, he was what they would, uh, what they would refer to in the, in the, the naval services as a, a plank holder. Um yeah dude this guy it was it was very interesting he uh he would show up he would show up in the springtime once the weather started getting warmer all of a sudden you'd start seeing calvin uh sort of walking around downtown you know and he'd look all pretty cleaned up you know like you know he's sort of fat and happy you know because really what it was is that he had spent the uh he had spent the winter in jail because in the fall he would invariably do something that would get him arrested. And once he got arrested, then he knew that he could just spend the winter in jail and get three hots in a cot and all the rest of it. Dude, and, he, the man had a plan. And he did. And the funny thing is that Calvin, Calvin had this, uh, his, his sort of catchphrase was, Hey guy, you'd be walking down the street and all of a sudden you'd come across Calvin. He'd walk up to you. Hey guy. Bums and change. So and it was Popeye. Yeah. Well, yeah. The thing <laughs> is, is that the thing is that Calvin, uh, obviously being a street person, didn't have much money. So Calvin's way of catching a buzz was to sniff model plane glue, mm. and he would. You would see Calvin walking down the street, uh, and he would have like an empty bread bag a plastic empty bread bag and he'd have the tube of model glue in the bottom of it. And he would just be walking down the street and every couple steps, you'd see him take a big, long haul, <laughs> a big, big, long haul off this bread bag, man, just to catch a buzz. So his nickname became, Cal- became Calvin, the glue sniffer. <laughs> nice. And the crazy thing is, man, I, I will say, sadly, sadly, as Calvin started getting older, because Calvin was legitimately a little, he was, he had mental issues. Um, don't know exactly what they were, but he for sure had issues. Um, as he started getting older, he started getting a little bit more violent. Um, and that was landing him in jail for longer and longer periods of time because he was getting in legitimate trouble. Legitimate trouble. Um, and then one day, uh, they found his body, man. 
they found him, uh, his body at a playground at one of the local elementary schools. And uh, I will tell you, when Calvin Osno passed away, they had a full, like, front page article in the local paper about the story of Calvin Osno. And it was, it was pretty amazing. It went way back to his childhood and about him, how apparently his mother lived in the next town over across the river here. And she, I guess as a, as a teenager, he had gotten in trouble for flashing people. <laughs> like with like the actual raincoat kind of flashing you know and uh and but people you know, claimed that, that he would go out to the woods out by his mother's house and, you know in the middle of the night yelling and all i mean it was a crazy story but How, who gets it, that idea where did the idea of having a raincoat on and then flashing people come from i don't that is Come on, fact totem. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's obviously a, it's obviously some uh, form of per, perversion, man. No, I, I mean, it's but it's like okay, I have this idea in my head that I need to express myself by showing someone my naked body, but it's not cool to do it. Just walk outside completely. No, naked. it's that's what I'm saying. So, so it's, then it's like, how can I do this? What piece of clothes? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, and then uh, well, well yeah, I mean, when I cover myself up, then I'm clothed. Well, that's what I mean. It's I mean, if you just walk down the street wearing a sheet or a blanket wrapped, people would be like, uh, but if you're wearing this coat, don't, well, let's talk uh, about what. To, I mean, it could be a toga. You be, could be walking well, to a toga well, party. But you know what I mean? You could be wearing I mean, a kilt. I mean, he could, he's walking down the street wearing a trench coat. Anybody who's ever done this. At, at first glance, it's just somebody walking down the street with a coat on. So there's, you don't think anything of it until all of a sudden he you know, whips this thing open. And then, of course, it's it's obviously some weird form of exhibitionism. I don't understand exactly. No, I, I'm just works. I'm just questioning the uh, what know, a weird. Just, I just think it's a weird compulsion. What a weird compulsion. Right. Because you're, I, you're covering yourself up, but you want to show your body to somebody. I so guess. Why just, not just walk out? And I think it's just to see the react. It's got to just to be. It's got to be just to see the reaction, just to see people like. Ah! <laughs> have you have you have you seen the movie Waiting? No. With Ryan Reynolds, it's about working like at a place called Bennigan's. Did you ever? Have you ever? Oh yeah, man. They had a Bennigan's had a Monte Cristo sandwich. Oh yes, yes. That was the absolute bomb. It was unbelievable. I haven't seen it. Are they even in business anymore? They were a big thing. They were like, they were like Applebee's before there was Applebee's. Well, so uh, first of all, in Irving, Texas, Bennigan's, yeah. like we would go there all the time. Mm-hmm. Bennigan's and Chili's. Yeah. And uh, so the name of this, the movie's called Waiting, like, like, like you're a like waiter, waiter waiting. Yeah. Right. And uh, it's at a place called Shenanigans. Oh God! That's okay. instead of Bennigan's, but the shenanigans. Like, yeah, they but they have it's dude and I, dude one of my one of my best friends, man. He has grown up just working at restaurants like that, and he would work at Bennigan. It's like he, I think he had something to say. Like I remember living through, like I would go to college and then come back and then hang out with him and go to the Bennigan parties, like. <laughs> <laughs> 
they would they would have after parties after like yeah. it, it's exactly like the movie. It's the weirdest fucking thing ever. But <laughs> but with 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 that being said, um, yeah, like they had this game in there in, in the movie where the they would show people each other like they're nuts. Oh my god! And they had different like. Like, oh, this is called the bat wing, and you'd spread it out. You see, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. spread it out, and it looks all vain. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, a yeah. bat wing. Right? Yeah. Uh, but you, yeah, the, yeah. the whole object of the game <laughs> was to catch someone by surprise. So you turn the corner, and, like, oh! and then if you look, then, then the person who looked, got you get to kick them in the butt. You know what I mean? Oh, right. Yeah, and, yeah. And, <laughs> And the most, the most, the, the one that's the hardest to get yeah. is called the goat. And I won't explain it. Uh, you don't have to go into detail. But you have to watch <laughs> the movie. Uh, you have to watch the movie to, to see what did the anybody goat is. just Did anybody just grab their sack and squeeze it and shake no. it at somebody and say, look at my brains? Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah I'm sorry. <laughs> there is the one called the brain. It's called the brain. <laughs> Dude. I on, the, on, the, on the movie, in the movie, uh, the the head chef, yeah, demonstrates it by using a piece of like raw chicken. So you grab oh your nutsack like this and you squeeze it, and it looks like a brain. <laughs> Dude, I remember, I remember having this uh, having this party one time, and it was like the whole big neighborhood thing, and we were doing it was like a seventies party. And everybody was because we did this for a long time. Jennifer, Jennifer and I actually, uh, there was a point when we were having we had a really really close knit neighborhood. Um, awesome people. We were living in Hawaii. Yes, and, I've heard uh, the stories. Oh, dude! I mean, we we had theme parties like once a month. We would decide, okay, well, we're going to have a heavy metal party, or we're going to have a seventies party, or we're going to have a luau like Hawaiian party whatever the case may be. And um, of course, with all these parties, you had to come in costume. That was a big part of the whole thing. Um, And it was funny. We're doing this seventies party. Everybody's there and like great outfits. This one dude, I can't remember his name, but he showed up and oh my God, dude, he had the best outfit on. He was actually, he was dressed up as like, a nineteen like a nineteen seventies high school gym teacher. <laughs> He's dude, I'm telling you, he had like the he had the gym socks, you know, that come all the way up to your knee with the stripes. And he had like the little gym shorts. Um and he had you know the uh, uh some sort of t shirt. He had the whistle and he had this he had the sweatband around his head. He had like this he had a, a wig on, so he had like sort of this fro and this sweatband around his head. And this big old bushy mud. I mean, he fit the part, man. And uh, so I went to this party and I was, I had like this uh, sort of Hawaiian shirt on and I had this, this fro wig going on and I had a big old medallion around my chest, like around my neck, you know, this big old gold medallion thing. And I had these like, they were almost like spandex shorts, but they were like short. And, uh, and we're hanging out, we're in the park, you know, we're at the, my neighbor's place and we're freaking, 
we're hanging out. There's music going. The people are dancing, whatever. And I'm standing. I'm, there's like a table there or something. And this girl is sitting at the table. And I must have been, I think I was standing like to her left or something. Or she's sitting across the table. And she's looking to her right. And um, she's talking to her friend or whatever. And she turns her head towards me. And immediately she's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I looked out, dude. And my junk had just fallen out of the shore. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had no idea, dude. <laughs> I'm like running, trying to freaking cover myself up. It was freaking terrible. I'm like, how embarrassing is this? You know, like I think of being all cool and like, yeah, man, 70s. This girl's like, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, we had a reputation to uphold. So we did our best. We did our best. It was hard, but, you know, we, we, we tried. Um, yeah, dude. No, funny stuff. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know about the whole, the whole, flasher thing that's and i don't know if that is it just me or that seemed like that was something that has has fallen out of vogue Uh, well because because you could just send you know i it's just the other the other thing i understand too is like that you could send people dick pics now yes i don't i don't get that dude (laughs) oh my god yeah i i don't i don't get it man because not just not even on like a, a the level of like you know maybe maybe there's people that like to look at that right 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 but now you're dealing with the evidence oh <laughs> you know what i mean like now you're dealing with evidence so now when you do that just know that it's out there forever and that's what i'm saying man like what i don't get um man like Jennifer and I, Jennifer and I had this friend. Uh, she was married to this dude, and he apparently had this thing with sending women pictures of himself. Oh, mm-mm. yes, and she and she is like, "What is the matter with you?" Like, and he, somehow he had this justified in his mind that like th- th- there was nothing wrong with this. <laughs> She's just like, "You're crazy. What is the matter with you?" And I don't, they are, they are no longer betrothed. So, uh, you know, I think she was smart in, in getting out of that situation, but I, that's the thing that I don't understand. I do, I, amongst many things that I do not understand, but that is certainly one of them, man. I just do not understand people who are in actual relationships with people, but they carry on that kind of weird stuff, like on the side. That somehow that's like some, they get some sort of a thrill out of that, I guess. The whole like, well, I'm doing this thing, but like, you know, my girlfriend or, you know, my, my wife doesn't know that I'm, I mean that, and that really, I know became a big thing with the advent of the, the internet. I mean, with the internet and being able to, you know, being able to, to message people or video chat with, yeah, it's no joke when that whole thing. You've got mail. Yes. And all of a sudden it became this whole like, oh, you know, people are carrying on these little sort of like Internet liaisons with people. Um, So back in when I was a freshman in college, 1993 through 1994, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that I went to University of Missouri. The Mizzou. Yeah, Mizzou. And that was the advent of where we had an intranet, not internet, right, sure, intranet. Yeah. Yep. So, like, we could chat. We had chat rooms that we could, uh, mm-hmm. if we were piped into the school, intranet infrastructure. Right, so because it was all it was just internal to the institution, yeah. That's right. Dude, and that was that was like we were like, wow, this is so cool. Well, and I then can, like pick chicks up on here, man. And then the computers, well no, because it was all the fucking computer nerds that were on there. And then oh. what would then then they the, the guys that were like the computer uh uh majors would like figure out the code and like yeah I just Watch this. I'm just going to kick this guy off and type in a code and the guy would be like kicked off just to, you know, you know, that's it's crazy because it really was. um, Have you seen the the that uh, that book, that uh, movie about Zuckerberg? Yes. What is that? What is the name of that movie again? Social Network. Yeah. The Social Network. Mm-hmm. I, 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 to be honest with you, man, I had not seen that movie until very, very recently. It was only in maybe the past month or so that I finally oh. saw that film. Okay. And for anyone who's not seen it, I know many, many people have, it is, wow. It's, it's very similar to what you're talking about. I mean, being able to tap into these various networks and whatever at Harvard and all of a sudden you're sharing people's information or getting people to, to join it and all this, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty amazing that, uh, you know, some nerdy freaking dude from Harvard that had no friends, apparently it, you figured out this way to try to connect everyone like in the entire world. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty wild. So, so who side at the end of the movie? Cause uh, hashtag it's been long enough yes. um, so there's no spoilers it's been such a, yeah. Who's, yeah who do you side with uh, are you, you mean between him and the um, what's his face there or uh, or the or the um, the twins the, the, the oh. Winkle boss or like just in general how the whole thing who do you side with I don't know. I that's that's a tough. He question. did he did settle with all of them. He did. I mean, I, I that's a really tough question. I mean, I think that obviously when because he was the brainchild of this entire thing. Was Obvious, he? I, well, I think he was. I mean, I I think that he was the one who had with. I mean, along with some other people that had sort of you know jumped on but had never fully vested themselves in it. Um. I think that he really was the one who had sort of come up with this idea for creating this thing. And that obviously these other individuals had helped with like the twins there had helped with an investment that they had, that they had fronted money and all that sort of thing, which I get. And obviously he settled with them. And then, but I think he really, I mean, in, in my opinion, he really fucked over Eduardo. That's the one person, yes. I agree with you there. His his friend there from school, um, the way that that whole thing went down was really unbelievable. And I, and I think it was, I, and who knows, it's a movie. I know it's dramatization and everything. 
But if, in fact, Zuckerberg had, if he, in fact, dealt with his friend Eduardo the way that he did in real person, I think that that is a real testament to the quality of his character as a person. Um, and, his, and, and potentially his inability to be able to um, socialize appropriately which I think was really what this whole thing was about. I think that you're talking about a guy, and I think you even see it today. I mean, people laugh all the time. You, know, you see these, these uh, pictures of him, or he go like when, what was that? Like within the past year or so that he had to go and testify in front of a congressional committee or something? Did you see that? Uh, yes. And, but even, even wow. at the very, the, very wow. first, the very first scene where at the time she was his girlfriend, and yeah. how how he just interacted with her, and you know, this is a a depiction. Yes. You know, it's not, but still, like it, it's got it's got to come from somewhere. You know what but I mean? But that's what but that's what I'm saying is that I think that, and maybe people say, well, he's brilliant. That's why he's the way he is. I mean, you see him in front of this congressional committee testifying, and it literally was like watching. It was like watching data from Star Trek. <laughs> I, I mean his his inability to be able to be just to uh, to uh present himself and to behave in some way that seems even remotely normal uh, he just seems like he's got this and again maybe some people would say well that's because he's a savant or i don't know but he certainly i think that he and that was exactly what you're talking about at the beginning of the movie with this girl who's his girlfriend. And she's just like, I can't handle you because you had this inability to just talk. This right. inability and, to, and then to he just, realizes that his initial response was incorrect. So he goes into the, okay, that was wrong. So now I have to apologize. Uh, right. Exactly. You know the, what the, I mean? It, it's, yes. like a, it's like a process. Oh, wait, that was wrong. All right. Uh-huh. Yes. It doesn't, of, it doesn't come naturally. He literally has to internalize it and analyze it. And I mean, again, I mean, I don't know if maybe there are folks who are out there and there probably are people who are out there that are brilliant. Um, well, but you but, don't, but you don't think that if you are put in a situation where you are asked a, an awkward question that, you know, you're going to analyze it to an extent to where, uh, the response may come out or seem as if, as if it's robotic. Um, I'm not saying that might, I'm not saying that that wouldn't happen, but I think that given the situation that he was in as depicted in the film in that moment, it was, it was a situation that did not require that level of internalization and analysis in order to come up with an answer. I mean, it just, it, it came across as uh okay, it's, you know, uh, it, it's like a, a bumper car comes up against an, uh, an obstacle. Okay, well, back up, retract, uh, re, <laughs> yeah. re you know, that's really what it, it appeared to be. And when you see, again, I mean, now that we're sort of taking apart the movie, um, when you see later in the movie, the way that he ultimately handles his friend Eduardo, and he, he handles him in such an unbelievably cold way. I mean, he just cuts him. It's like cutting out the deadwood. 
there's he has he comes across as completely unemotional as if he has no no you know uh he owes him nothing and this is just about business and it's just that's it that, what I did mean, you think about the whole Sean Parker uh that was the guy was that uh what's his name Justin Timberlake yeah that that I thought was kind of interesting too I mean um, and the way that he was dealt with, but I think that it was almost one of those things where uh, Justin Parker, as a character in the film, really came across as an opportunist. And yep. um, well, he and, just got his ass kicked by the entire music industry because of Napster. Because of Napster, right? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you, you, I mean, you know what I mean. He he came across. He obviously was an opportunist. Um, whether you whether you like Napster or for folks out there who know what Napster was, and everybody pretty much does, probably anybody that would listen to our program, um, at the end of the day, whether you thought it was great or not, the reality of it is that it was denying artists an ability to make a living because it was stealing their music and sharing it and publishing it and everything for free. And yeah, it was, and, and, and you and know it, what? But what? Look what it created. Oh, sure. No, I know. but I, <laughs> like, I, I, And it was cool. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I think probably any, you and I as musicians and probably all of our friends had accounts with Napster and we thought it was the coolest thing ever. Well, um, and I, I will say, you know, the ones that were, were against it the most were the ones that owned the rights to their music. Right. But, but you're talking about five percent yes 95 percent of all the other artists the labels own their music yes so that's well, that, why it was kind of like a to me when you have lars being the most outspoken artist uh, uh you know for or against it it's like okay yeah but you represent five percent of of who is getting hurt by this Whereas, you know, it, it's just like it is now in Apple Music and Spotify, right? Uh, Spotify mm-hmm. is Napster, by I, the way. That, well, not no, necessarily. Uh, first of all, you have to pay for it. You, no, you, you don't. Pay, what? You can get Spotify for free. You just have to listen to the commercials. Okay. Well, I mean, the bo- <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying that the artists, are, the artists whose music is on Spotify are willfully there. Uh, their their catalogs. Spotify can't just access anybody's catalog that they want to. I mean, you have to, you know, you have to, along with your record company or whatever, allow uh, platforms like Spotify to have access to your catalog. Because that's obviously the I mean, look at Tool. Tool as a band went for years and years and years without having any of their music on Pandora, on Spotify on any of that stuff. I mean, the only way that you were going to get uh, the music, you know, anything out of tools catalog was to either buy the album uh, physically, go get a CD or whatever, or you had to download it and pay for it and, you know, put it on your device or whatever. And it was only in the past, maybe two years that tool finally um, opened up their catalog and is allowing uh, Spotify and and similar platforms to to have access to their material, 
And I think that that is a reaction to the reality of if you are an artist and you want to make money, you have to, you have to be willing to share your music this well, way. And you're not, but see, I will say that you're not going to make money on that platform. You're not going to make money on Apple Music. Right. You're not, you're not going to make money on, if you have a label on the selling of your, of your uh, depending on what your deal is, but most of the time it's, you're not going to make money on the selling of your music on Apple, on iTunes. You're not. Right. Yeah. Um, but the, the trade-off is, is that you put your music out there, people like to listen to it. So then when you go on tour, then, you well, know, and, I mean, the then, then they, they go and, you know, hey, I want to, right. and then you can sell your own CD there and hopefully make some money off of that way. But, well, I mean, that's, that's the, the harsh reality of the record business. You know, the, course, harsh, yeah. the harsh reality of the record business is that nine out of 10 artists that the record companies actually pay to produce and promote and all the rest of it don't break even. The one out of 10 actually makes a cent off of th- that investment. And, the, and that means, the, and I'm talking about the record company is making money. Um, the artist, on the other hand, unless you happen to be Drake, apparently, because we talked about it a couple episodes ago. I don't know who he is, but he has apparently sold like 50 <laughs> billion records. Uh, and I say records. I don't know what that means to Drake, but um, because I don't know if he's actually selling records or just sort of making songs and selling them. Uh, but the reality is, is exactly what you just said I, for the for the artist out there, for the artist out there. The only way that they're making money is by hitting the road. And if you're lucky, you've got enough, you know, if you're lucky, you've actually got enough uh, that you've got enough uh, money that you're not relying on a record company to, uh, you know, to to invest in your tour, which I mean, the, the, the thing that a lot of young musicians do not understand is that when you're talking about the rec- we're talking about record companies and this is what's so great, we've talked about it before, what is so great about the Internet and social media and all these things is that you, and, and the technology is that you could literally make an album in your house. And if yep. you promote it the right way, you don't need a record company. I mean, wh- who is that? Billie Eilish we were talking about. Oh, and yeah. This yeah. girl and her brother, like they're making songs in their living room or in their bedroom or something, you know. Yep. And, she'd be, she, and she's walking out of the Grammys with like 50 freaking Grammy Awards. What's, what's great is that they left like a lot of the pre and post of the song in there mm-hmm. and you can hear him talking about stuff or whatever. That, dude, that's great. To me, that's Well, yeah. Great. I mean, and that's uh, the, without the internet and without that ability to be able to, to push your material out to a mass audience, you had to rely on a record company because they were in absolute control. And a you, radio station. And a radio station. But yeah. I mean, even with that, you had to have a record company. Willing, and that was a thing. That was a thing. Um, and what a lot of young artists back in the day didn't realize was that all of the money that the record company was, was, was quote unquote giving you to be able to make records and promote them and distribute them and all this, that that all of this money was recoupable jointly and severally to use legal terms, meaning your band breaks up. You still owe us. 
And again, we all know the stories of all these bands who, you know, legendary bands that signed these old original, you know, uh, recording contracts. And Prince. Did, yeah, Prince dude, was in that. I know. With Sony. Dude, he was in that. I mean, I was listening. I know I've talked before about uh, the uh, that Van Halen, uh, you know, biography that was written by their old manager. And they were in the same position. I mean, they had no idea that they had that they had signed a record contract that had bound them to the record company for years and years and years. And they were going to make no money. And the guy who was their manager was a genius because he looked at the fine print of that uh, contract, which basically said that if the band did not renew that contract or if the record company did not renew their contract by said date, then they were released from the contract. And he basically, you know, went through this whole process of spending all of this money, um, and, and waiting to see if the record company was smart enough to keep their eye on the ball. And they were not, I mean, he literally got together with the people from the record company the day after that contract had expired. And they were like talking about how they were going to put the, you know, that they were going to, you know, that they were going to, what's the phrase uh, that they were going to stick it to the band because they you know, were obligated to so much more time. And this guy's like, uh, have you looked at the calendar? Do you know what today is? And of course they're like, what are you talking about? It's like, mm. uh, <laughs> we, we don't have a contract with you anymore. <laughs> like we never, Dude, you never renewed you, that contract. You know what that is? Um, do you know who Bobby Bonilla is? I know the name. Yes. Baseball player, right? Yep. He like signed a contract and he was like, you know what? We're going to defer the payments on this contract. And he's getting over a million dollars every year mm-hmm. until 2035. Good Lord. It's amazing. The Met, I think it's the Mets. Right. Yeah. That is the, the like this dude. He he stopped playing baseball in like two thousand. He's, he's just just riding he, it till twenty thirty five. He gets a million dollars. We need to start playing baseball or something, JB. <laughs> hey, you know what? Maybe there's no, music hey. things for the birds, man. We need to get out there and play some COVID baseball. Because here here's the thing, um, and even football players will tell you, right? Yeah. Like the the baseball players, dude. They have the best contract. Oh, they're it's unbelievable the money that they make. Unreal. Now you you could say, well, I only play sixteen games, yep. you know, and and I make this much money. But you know what? The baseball players they play like a hundred and forty games a year, but when they retire, they can still walk. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. They, well, they they don't have they don't have head injuries. Well, that was they don't the have joint, you know what I mean. Like that was the what was, what was the guy's name? God, I cannot remember anybody today. Um, the guy who was the running back for the Dolphins. Um, I mean, Ricky, I Ricky go, was it Ricky Williams? Huh? Ricky Williams, yeah, and he he got drafted by Ditka when Ditka was the the head coach of the Saints, and they like, you know, and he flaked. Hey, he flaked. Isn't he? Well, the, he, he was, was the, the Heisman winner, right? Exactly, and he was doing okay in in in, uh, in New Orleans, and then 
he started going hit he didn't want to take uh like opioids for his injury so then he started doing weed and then he got kicked out but they still owned him so then finally when he's like oh, i'm gonna come clean and then go back in because i need the money well and then, this, so then the Saints see, that, traded him to miami well but this was the thing is that my understanding, and, and I'm not super steep into the details or whatever, but my understanding is that what really triggered him was um, he started playing in the NFL. The and, fame, yeah. And there was some sort of event, and he ended up meeting – he ended up meeting uh, – what's his name? Jim Brown, the famous running back. And he saw the condition that that dude was in struggling to walk around and that put the zap on Ricky Williams head. He was like, uh, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, I don't know if I want to do this, if doing it means that I end up like that. Oh dude, I, I have gone to, uh, autograph events. Yeah. Cause I have a lot of autographed footballs and stuff like that. Yeah. And it is the saddest thing. When you see these guys who were giants of their game and they can barely get around. Yeah. They're in a walker or a wheelchair and it's like, fuck. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing is that can he. Can I have your autograph? Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, he had obviously, I think that was the thing with, with Ricky. I mean, he, he had ended up basically, like you say, he, he was smoking weed and then he couldn't pass the you know this urinalysis stuff and then he finally was just like you know what man like he ended up going to some school where he was learning how to climb trees or something yeah he he became like a like he went way he was a hippie dude he was like hippie well guess what so did Mike Tyson, and now he's like no, I know something triggered. Now he's triggered, right? Well, that was the crazy. And then he ended up like he ended up moving to like Jamaica or something. And and the only thing that brought Ricky Williams back was the fact that the, the these teams were like, "You owe us. We paid you all this money, and if you do not play, we're coming after you for our money." And he was like, "Well, shit. Yeah, <laughs> I guess yeah. I, I, I got to was... go back to playing football." And he was a beast. When he came back dude, to the NFL, yeah, he, wow! He, when he played for, yeah, dude, he was he didn't lose a step. Who the fuck was the uh, the Raiders drafted a quarterback from? I think he might have went to uh, LSU. I don't know. And he was he. I think, dude, he was supposed to be like the best, right? Right. Jamarcus Russell. Oh yeah. Yep. Dude, they they paid him thirty two million dollars guaranteed, so he got the key. That was his signing bonus, right? Un- unreal. And didn't like he maybe a couple of games. Oh, he was terrible. He yeah, was he was fucking terrible. Absolutely terrible. I remember watching him. Like I remember watching them play like the Chargers or something, and All they right. were they were up in Oakland. It was just disgusting. So. Because we're getting into this, we, we've kind of shifted. We've got to see if uh, text message of destiny. Text message of destiny! Will he answer? That is the question, ladies and gentlemen. Will he respond and join Will... us on the podcast? I was going to say telecast, but we're beyond that. We're far more refined. We're far more elevated and technological. 
than telecast. Maybe yeah. someday, someday we might have a broadcast like a. How how cool would that be? That'd be pretty wild, huh? Yeah, that's Wait. that's a. Uh... That's a whole. That's a whole new world. Oh my god! Could you imagine? Uh, like, I would totally have to redo the garage. To, oh yeah, you know. See, yeah, yeah. So, so we could do that have, and have like, always, a, vid- and have, like I, a video. <laughs> I always, I always love how like when they're interviewing people, uh, like from their homes, and they have certain things behind them, like autographs or like memorabilia or something. Yeah. Like, especially when watching sports center, it's like, you know, we notice it's like, oh, yeah, look at that. He's got, he must have gone to Notre Dame. He's got oh, all yeah. Dame you always, you know what I mean? Stuff. Yep. They got like the little football helmet. <laughs> yeah. Like, something. Oh, I, I see where your alma mater is at. Yeah. No, or, it's, or it, your team. Uh, right. Exactly. Like, of course, yours would always be like Patriots shit. No, it would be. It would be. I might have a, I might have a, do, a John Riggins. I might have a John Riggins jersey up. Okay. Do I, you I do, uh, do you do you have any like Daryl Greens signed signed Patriot stuff? No, I don't have anything like that. No, I mean, dude, my my old lady and I are lucky if we get a new jersey. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've got a collection of hey, them. for a while. You've we got were, some good Patriot stuff. I, I do have I have some great jerseys. Uh, it, it's strange because I've got like uh, this Brady stuff, and I've got. What are you, you gonna know, do with that? Oh, I'd wear it. Why not? I mean, it, it, the reality is, is that I mean, people don't think of Joe Montana as a Kansas City Chief. You don't. But you if you're th- a Chiefs fan and you were a Joe Montana. How many people do that, though, really? I mean, no, I. Well, and see, that's I remember when I was stationed, when I was living in, in Virginia Beach back in 20 one. Back in the old days. Before I would war. always go back, back before would, the war. Yeah, I, twenty out two, twenty out one. 20 um, out two. Oh, it's he. Oh, questions of destiny, gentlemen. <laughs> well, hello. Well, well. How well, the turntable? Well, well, well. If it isn't, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, let us introduce Mr. Keo. Mr. Keo joining us. Since we got our on man, sports. our man with the plan, yeah, it's 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 he's our he's our sports representative, <laughs> whether he likes it or not. Whether he likes it or not, that's we have deemed him our sports authority. So yeah, um, so we're talking about Uh-oh. jerseys right now, and and do you have any Buffalo jersey? I know I'm talking about the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. That's why she's crying. Um, do you have any autographs? Oh, sorry, do you have any autographs? It's Nace's. It's it, it's Nace's faithful, His faithful assistant. Uh, my eighteen-month-old uh, daughter was uh, wearing Mardi Gras beads yep. and uh, stepped on some as she was going down the stairs. So of course it's oh. the end of the world. Oh, that's that's not good. Oh yes. Well, no, it's it's because I said Buffalo Bills. And... Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Hill. <laughs> So do you have so so do you do you, you have uh, I do uh, I have uh, I think four or five. Um, what is the most? What is your most? What, what um, uh, cherished? No, I don't. I don't have a Thurman Thomas. Thurman Thomas. I don't have Jim Kelly. Uh, I don't have Andre Reed. Um, what? 
Those Bruce Smith, you know, and I'm I'm the kind of guy that if I were to choose like my ideal uh, jersey, my first jersey that I ever bought was uh, actually a Doug Flutie jersey. Oh, beautiful, uh, beautiful, nice. I I was able to get that one for a steal, so and that was the biggest reason why I got it. can you, you know, you probably you you jersey? would just have to uh, get one of those where you put your own numbers and name on there. Um, I I don't oh, think okay. that the NFL. Well, I don't know. They never they never took his bust out of Canton. Um, so. Yep. Yeah, he lost his Heisman Trophy out of USC. So, but that's what I do. I I have a jersey that has I put my own number in my name because I'm the fan. Right. Cuz if I don't get caught up in the like, oh, I'm gonna, like, oh, I'm going to buy right. a Mari Cooper jersey, right? And then when he gets traded or he quits, you know, then it's like, all right, well, I'm I'm not going to walk around with an Amari Cooper jersey for the rest of my life that he, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's not even a great. I do have an Aikman jersey. And Oh, going know, with the Aikman jersey, yeah, and well, that's I mean, never going to change. He's, he's always going to be associated man. with the the success they had, uh, you know, in the late '80s, early '90s, uh, early to mid '90s. I mean, even when they weren't winning Super Bowls, they were still yeah. part of the NFC powerhouse, or it was the NFC Championship game was the real Super Bowl, and then there was whoever, you know, Buffalo, and then who was it, the San Diego and Pittsburgh and New England. I mean, we really didn't have anybody in the AFC. That was real competition until the Broncos surprised everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean yeah, it's kind of yeah. it's kind of interesting because I mean we were just talking about the whole Brady jersey thing and, and I, yeah of like do you have a Brady? I mean, jersey? and I have a couple of them. I have a, a you know I have the blue one and I've got a throwback one which is like the red one. Um, but I mean, it, my whole point was just simply that you know. It's like with Montana. I, I I would be I'd be I would be shocked how many people who are Kansas City Chiefs fans own a Joe Montana jersey. It's probably not that many. It's very very few. I mean, and in our own minds as as football fans, you don't think of Joe Montana as being part of the Kansas City Chiefs. He is. Well, and we may think a lot differently about him I mean, if he was able to overcome the Bills. Legacy. I mean, that that was his biggest stumbling block going to Kansas City in the playoffs was that he could never overcome Buffalo. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, I don't know how much time he really had in him by the time. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with, with Brady. I mean, he's on. he's got a one-year contract. Yeah. With, and he's with already 0-1 without uh, Belichick as his coach because he lost to Peyton Manning and uh, Tiger Woods. Right. <laughs> I did. I didn't even. I didn't even know that thing was happening. For folks. Oh my god, for folks, dude, who, for folks who don't know, there was a golf tournament that was like a, a fundraiser game. thing uh, for COVID or something the other day, and apparently it was all these famous uh, athletes. And apparently, Tom Brady was part of this thing and was was no bueno. He is not a golfer. <laughs> no, he, no, he is. He was just having a bad first nine holes, and then. Of all people, Charles <laughs> Barkley talked shit to him. That's live. Awesome. That's awesome. That's and awesome. The very next, the very next shot was a par five. It was his fourth shot, and he hits this pitching wedge, 
it spins and goes into the hole. And he was like, what was that, Charles? Oh, that? no, really? <laughs> Dude, you, you have to find it because it is it – is, he starts talking shit. To, and Charles Barkley is notorious because he has the worst golf swing in the world. Yeah. It is so bad that Hank Haney, who used to be the coach for Tiger Woods, there was a show on, like, teaching Charles. Like, it was a season, one whole season of a show – of him working with Charles Barkley and trying to fix his swing. Was that was that the name of the show? Was it called Teaching Charles? Yeah, it was, it was definitely yeah, not Charles, Charles in charge. Charles in charge. Charles. In... No, no, it was not. Charles is not in charge. No, dude, but but it was perfect. It was perfect. Yeah, I think that. And yeah, I think that, I think. And they were talking trash to each other. I I didn't see much trash talking for Peyton. Yeah. But like Tiger and Phil Mickelson were talking like. You know, that's funny talking a lot. It's, it's cool to see that, you know, like I say, I mean, for me, I've, I've got a bunch of these jerseys. Um, I will say the one that I probably cherish more than any of them is not like one of the original jerseys. That's pretty expensive. You know, it's all got the numbers and everything sewn on. It's one of the cheaper jerseys that's got it all sort of ironed on whatever. And it's beat to hell now. I've owned it for years and I didn't even buy it. It was given. It was given to me by a guy, you know, who's not a Patriots fan, somebody giving him this jersey, he's a Lions fan, and he was like, well, you're a Patriots fan, you can have it, is freaking Rodney Harrison. I got a freaking Rodney Harrison jersey, man. That He was a bad man. Oh, yeah, and I'll never <laughs> remember Harrison his uh, ability to cover man. a receiver like uh, when Tyree was able to make that helmet catch and was hit as hard as he could possibly could hit him, and he uh, still had that thing glued to the dude, top of his that- helmet. I mean, and we're talking about a high-caliber receiver here. He was a, a backup for the next two seasons before he was already out of football. I mean, that was just. Yep. Oh, you I'm know sorry, it. But that was that, was that dude's <laughs> miracle. And, oh, you know, that, and that it's great to see yes. how he's able to break down stuff as a commentator. Because I know that a lot of guys, you know, try and go to TV uh, or radio, and it's just. Some of them have it. You know, Tony Romo's great to listen to. He, he's, he gets really excited. And he's, he's really good at breaking it down. Harrison's another one of those guys. Um, and some of them, you know, you listen to him. Jason Witten, when he was doing commentary, was like, dude, just just stop, please. Just, it's, it's not working. Yeah. Well, no, the thing, that, the thing, I, the thing I love about watching Harrison on, on his broadcast, he and Dungey have the greatest chemistry with each other. They've got mm-hmm. a lot of history with each other as coach, player, and everything. So you see those moments, and I think that everyone, I think that anybody who's who's a, a football fan would, as you know, they should, as a head coach and as a man. As a I mean, that coach, that guy, you know, as exact, absolutely, you know, hands down, he is an amazing individual, and but it's funny because he'll say, you know, uh, Rodney is not afraid. To, to call him to the mat yeah. if he thinks he's wrong. You know what I mean? It's like, he's not, he's not afraid to be like, you know what? I totally disagree with you. <laughs> it's like, I know that, I know that you're Tony Dungy and you're awesome, but I think you're wrong. Like that's the fact that they have that sort of, uh, that sort of chemistry with each other is awesome. But uh, so as far as the, as far as, uh, as, as sports, like right now, I know things are kind of funky and all the, all the various leagues are looking at ways to try to put something together, you know, before the end of the year. Um, I know the NHL has talked about uh, basically just starting uh, yep. Stanley Don't Cup playoffs. Um, have, have you guys been 
yeah, have you guys been following that at all? Yeah, yeah, dude, all of them. The the NBA wants to do like a bubble, like where it's in Florida. Uh, the Major League Baseball one is the one that's the most re- like it's ridiculous. It's not the most ridiculous, but like what what the owners are asking the players is, in my opinion, is ridiculous. Yeah, to take to take that that cut. I have, and actually, been, I think it's kind of funny case? when they talk about. Uh, you know, who's getting what money. And uh, I haven't had enough time to really look into it, but I heard somebody talking about how since the Atlanta Braves are a publicly traded company, you could see their money on the books to see what kind of money they're making. And you can infer that other teams are still, you know, making money with contracts uh, that have not been canceled. And of course the biggest contracts are all the uh, TV contracts. And, you know, so when you're looking at, if the team is making money and the players are not because the games aren't going on, then I don't think that telling the players they're not going to get a, a cut at all or a percentage at all. I mean, it, it really makes it an interesting uh, argument for the economics of, of player contracts because they're in a, a guess into the future of how that player is going to play and not you know what they did in the past. Um, you know, so whether or not they argue right. – well, and and not to mention, not to mention the fact that like I I read that uh, the Oakland A's like can't they had already told the the city owns the I think it's I believe it's the city owns the stadium right. like we can't pay our rent. And and you're talking oh, about gosh. one of the, the smaller market teams where they're gonna feel <laughs> that pinch more than you know a team that's playing in New York City or Dallas or Los Angeles or Boston. Yep, Boston. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and the Texas Rangers just built a brand new stadium. And it, yeah. And, that and, and there it sits. It's supposed to debut. So they, they, and, and, you know, a lot of times the city of Arlington where they're at, you know, they, they do all these, these bonds and bills and shit like, yeah, the, the taxpayers are going to pay for some of that. Right. And so now it's like, yeah, we need to, get, they, they feel the heat. Have have, well, have, but... uh, have either one of you looked at any of the uh, with these new the these new proposals from the from Major League Baseball? Have any of you? Oh yeah, you're you, not allowed uh, to spit a home player. You're That's going to work out well in baseball when you're playing 162 games. You yeah. can't remember, you know, what your <laughs> rules are and how you're supposed to conduct yourself and how far right. away you have to be from the base coach. Thanks. And yeah, well. And that's exactly it. It was it was the spitting at home plate thing because they're talking about reducing it to like what is it a like an eighty five game season or something like that. Um, but they're talking about you know not being able to spit at home plate. They're talking about how what was uh, what was one of the other ones about about uh, players uh, fielding players should remain like if at all possible remain at least like two yep. paces away from any base runners. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be like Laurel and Hardy, man. It's going to be. I was going to say, how is this going to work for hockey when you put them out on the ice? This is like, you know, they have like flag hockey or something. No, 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 he's out. He's out. (laughs) Right. They're all going to have to. Right. They're all going to have to wear. They're all going to have to wear N95 masks or something underneath. (laughs) Though, by the way, I did see someone post. It's like a Jason Voorhees. Uh, half mask. Oh, I saw that you, too. You insert, dude. That's fucking. Awesome. Yeah, it is pretty cool. <laughs> it is pretty cool. But, but yeah, man, it, it's. Uh, 
you know, I, the the unions are are going to speak. And, and, you know, what I hate about baseball is that what they're saying is, is that if the players right. choose not to play, then it's going to be their fault because the owners, the owners are saying, well, we want to play, but the players don't want to play. It's like, yeah, but, and, and I, everyone always brings up Mike Trout, right. And his contract is, he's a really high contract. Mm-hmm. So he gets like $130,000 a game. And and because of the player cuts, what they want is that he would drop down to like seventy thousand dollars a game. Now, <laughs> only I only, only seventy thousand dollars a game. Hold on, time out, time out. But what what else baseball is doing is that the the players that make the most money get the hardest hit, and then and then the players that make the league mini, minimum don't get hit at all. You so also have to consider the fact that, you know, when you're talking about how much money he makes hmm. per game, it's not like he, you know, takes a shower, does his press conference, walks out of the hand of his check for 78000 or, you know, whatever it is that he's getting, and then he goes and takes that to the bank. Um, you know, so the way they get paid is also uh, into their contracts. You know, so it can, you know, they, we hear about them restructuring their contracts all the time, and it's basically taking IOUs and putting it towards the future. Um so a lot of these players are cash poor. They don't have, you know, liquid currency going in and out that they can use. Uh, and that's, you know, basically a microcosm of what we have in the, the uh, economy today is that a lot of people don't have cash up front and they can't pay their bills. And so the bills don't have to be paid right away. And, you know, so the teams are looking at this and saying, well, you know, we don't have any money coming in, so we can't pay you any money going out. And it's like, but you, you still have money Somewhere you still have wealth, but you still have money, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, oh, it's they, insane. They the numbers are just unfathomable. The way they can throw these things around and say that it's the... in the billions, uh, you know. And you look at teams' individual worth. You know, I totally understand why. Not specifically understand, but I mean, I can imagine why Oakland can't pay their bills. But like you said, Texas Ranger brand new stadium. That has already been bought. That's already been paid for. It's just, you know, they have the money thrown down yeah, in the future somehow exactly. with taxes and contracts and everything else. You know, it, the money's there somehow. Yeah, and, and guess who gets, you know, and, and the the players, you know, no one, like, they, they're, they've negotiated. Right. They get, like, the jersey sales. They get a percentage the union gets a percentage that gets distributed throughout everyone, right? But, but yeah, so it, it's, it's a very you need us, we need you thing. And they, they need to work it out as such. Like, yeah, you know, I, I'm the one that brings people to the seats. Okay, great. But without without the seats, you don't have a place to play. You know what I mean? It's it, it's just a right. It's a yeah, and it's just frustrating when you look at it too, when you're talking about fans who don't have money out. to pay rent. And, you know, look forward to their $1,200 stipend from the government, which may or may not happen. Some people haven't even gotten the first round of, of relief, if you even want to call it that. Uh, and these guys are talking about, you know, I want my 70000 a game. Right. Well, that's the market value of my talent. And it's like, not when the market doesn't exist. So, yeah. Well, there is no market. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's it is pretty interesting. I mean, all these all these leagues, man, they're they're trying to make something happen. 
Um, but it's it's Thursday. It's Thursday, and as all of our faithful listeners YouTube. know, what is what Thursday? Was the last two YouTube video. What's the last thing that uh, you watched on YouTube? Yep. So, so, uh, Nace, what was what was your? You, you got your library up well, there. Well, uh, I mean, technically, YouTube, the last thing the I last watched, thing watched was Beatball again, because that's what the kid demands when the kid can't go outside. And uh, but uh, actually. The last yeah, thing I put yeah. on, like for myself, was the interview between Joe Rogan and Dan Crenshaw. Yeah, and uh, I I found it. There was uh, somebody that was oh, picking okay. it apart yeah, because yeah. they wanted to uh, take the interview for their own uh, political angle, uh, and so they would play, you know, five ten seconds, stop it, come back and say, okay, so here's what he said, and this is what he meant, and this is, and so then they would skip to another part of the interview and say, see how he's contradicting or. Uh, you know, going going back and forth, and I got frustrated with that uh, cut of the video because I didn't want the political angle. I wanted to see what the the interview was, and so I watched the and it was over two hours. Sure. You know, Dan Crenshaw and Joe Rogan uh, going back and forth talking about politics, wow. current events. You know, a lot of a lot of subjects were covered, and yeah. it's it was interesting to me to see how uh, how accurate. Some portions of this guy's uh, breakdown of the video was, and some of it was just like, okay, we're just cherry picking, you know, what we want. Um, right. It's uh, speaking of Joe Rogan. Did you all hear yep, that he's, he's going over to Spotify podcast? Yeah. Uh, that did, didn't we talk? Did we talk about this last time? I don't. I don't know if we did. I, I know I had heard it on the radio the other day um, that he was making that move over there. I was like, wow, man, that's that's brave. Says a lot about where Spotify is, has found itself. Well, and and it's he has a set. I think he has a set price. Yeah, that they're going to give yeah. him. Yeah, where you know I don't know how much he's got four million subscribers on one channel and three point whatever on the other channel. That's crazy. So one channel is the the two hours, the two hour long podcast, right. and the other channel is the best of. Huh. Like, gotcha. where it's okay. the clips where oh, they'll I do see. like eight to 15 minutes right right well so so here's the deal with youtube if if you're not over 15 minutes then you can't mo- like you won't make the big bucks oh so that clips one isn't necessarily worth the whatever right, right. yeah um so so he's bringing four million people and this is this is something i learned uh, no, have have you guys ever heard of Mr. Beast? No. Check check his check his channel out. But what he does, he's a YouTube person, and what he does is that he's got so many followers that he he makes his money off the YouTube following, right? That, and then what he does is like, hey, do you want to sponsor my? He'll go. I'm going to reach out to Toyota. Way to learn, practice, and what is that? Uh, and and so, and so he'll go and Toyota will give him fifty thousand dollars, and then what he does with that money, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna give, I'm gonna buy fifty thousand dollars worth of stuff, open a store, and give everything away for free. And he'll make a video about that. That's that's insane. Yeah, mine mine was uh, mine was. 60 days build millionaire underground swimming pool house. Um, 
this guy's what? crazy, man. I don't even know where this this dude is. How did you get there? I, dude, I found just scrolling through and I found this thing. This guy, I don't know what he's maybe in Thailand or something like that, Micronesia or something. And he builds this insane, like what you would see at some like millionaire's home. He builds this swimming pool with his bare hands and like a, he has like a, it's like a, it's like a shovel. No power tools, no nothing, dude. He builds this whole thing, just like digging this, the dirt out of the ground. It's a video is like 16 minutes long. It is unbelievable. This guy's like, he's in a rice paddy, man. He's in a rice paddy. He's like diving down. He's, He's going and collecting clay because he t- he like digs this whole thing out, and it's got steps and everything. It goes down below the ground, and he collects the water and he mixes it with the clay and he uses that to line the swimming pool. And then it and like, there's absolutely up no it's way absolutely that they could have edited the video to days, not show just... you all the power tools and cranes and <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Let's let's just use our imagination here, man. We'll give, we'll give the man credit, but it's it's pretty ridiculous if you see what he's doing. It's like that's some dedication, dude. That's some strength. Some strength. You see this dude in his time lapse videos. Just I, I have seen some of the ground. smaller ones where they're like, you know, pretty you know, wild. They build the, so, the clay hut and they have the the, the fireplace and and uh, you know they build the well. That, so they got the running water and they've got the fire and, and you know they can make it waterproof and yeah. everything else and it's yeah it's pretty intense the way they do it just with primitive tools. It's 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 pretty it's pretty great. Well, yeah, I mean, I uh, the video the video before that was the uh, Megadeth has a new from the vault thing that's pretty wild. You get on get on that and it's uh, like I say behind the scenes stuff like pre show stuff and then. Uh, videos of them i saw one just recently it was uh them way way back this was like 1984 or something like that playing at some place in la and dude i'm telling you you talk about a heavy metal band when they were young and hungry and just out to prove the world something it was pretty cool stuff if y'all have a chance and you dig that kind of thing check out the uh the the uh, mega megadeth, megadeth uh, from the vault series that's on there so uh, JB, what do you got? Oh <laughs> uh, man, mine's lame. Just because you know, I I I talk about it at least the last month of uh, every you know. But it's a baseball card, um, uh, video with the artist that I'm connected to, which is his name is Blake Jameson, and every night he produces a video on. I think Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, they're live. And then all the other ones. But he goes live at 1023 every night. And it was last night's video of him being live. The one before that was another baseball card video. Um, Like, you know, I know it's lame, but it's what I'm into right now. So it's just keeping up with the market. And um, it's... It may not seem very cool to a lot of people, but I'm telling you right now, baseball cards are liquid. They're making a lot. Of, they're don't making, know what that means. People a lot of money right now. Oh, if well, you don't know I mean, what that means watch. You, you've watch, talked watch, about watch, you know your yeah. cards a couple of times and, and talking about collectible items, and I, I've never been much of a collector 
uh, even when I was getting, uh, you know, my, my unit coins from a military ceremony, I would always give it away to the youngest Marine in the ceremony just because it, it wasn't something for me. Um, but again, that's something where I didn't have any value in that. Some people would walk around and say, well, I've got this coin from blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, that if, for any collectible item, the value is always going to be only what somebody is willing to pay for it. And, you know, I, I like that, you know, you have a connection yep. to the artist. I like that you like the art. Uh, I like that you're intrigued about the, the possibility of buying a $60 card that you don't even get delivered before you can already sell it for $90 or $120 or $2,000. Well, and, Man, and I, they, I find it interesting, this, too, because when knows, you talk about things like stuff Dude, with value, it's, it's, you know, everybody has in their mind what a concept of value is. But then you, when you realize that we've really lost a lot of the one-to-one uh, bartering system and we've gone to a system of money and now it's all electronic and – Oh, you know, and there's there's studies they talk about people's spending habits change when they're using cash versus when they're using a, a card. And, you know, it's something just like here, too, where you can click on something and now you can even just use your phone to, you know, store all the information. You just click OK, bye. And boom, now, now you have something. Right. Let, let me let me. I want to give you an example and you guys are going to shake your head and be really upset. But there's an artist that's in the series of cards that I am, uh, that I'm, I'm purchasing and following. And he decided I'm going to do autographs on these cards. And he posted one through 20. Here are all the cards. And this is how much it costs. And it ranged anywhere from and that value is based off of what uh, is there a bidding here that, or uh, and he made those pro that no no he he's got one point one million followers on Instagram <laughs> and he just said all right and I'm gonna do three hundred okay signatures per card so so then and then if you email. This card, you know, and and then I will choose the three hundred at random, and then you pay my PayPal account, and then I once the card gets in, then I will sign it and send it to you because that card's gonna be worth a lot. Someone did the math for those twenty cards at the prices that he gave. It was seventeen million dollars. <sighs> just. <laughs> no. Does that, even, does, Guess that, what? does that even register with you, Nate? Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. So, let me, no, you lost me at a million followers. It's like, I can't even. Yet. I'm lucky when I get like 12 likes on a comment. I'm like, oh, oh look at that. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so then. I'm popular. So then this dude, this dude, about four hours in to what, when he made the announcement, He's, he goes on Instagram and Twitter. He's like, guys, I can't. You know, I can't do this. It's too much work. I, I, I'm going to refund people their money. It's just too much. My assistants are going through 6,000 emails. Um, you know, coach? this is too much. <laughs> and then and then it's like... $17 million <laughs> and you can't... Oh, okay. <laughs> so... 
Right. And so then it's like, well, I'm going to lower it to 150. I've already, I'm like, I woke up this morning and there was $420,000 in my PayPal account. And, you know, and he's like, I just got, I can't. And that's good enough. So I'm out. He's like, I can't do that. This is too much. Okay. So uh, here you go. Uh, Another thing here. Is this guy doing this (laughs) to make money? Well, his his whole thing is about money, money, money. He he gold plates like money counters and sells them. Uh, and I, like I don't want to I don't want to say who it is because I'm on the yeah. list. I, I'm actually getting off. Yeah, I'm on the. I got the email back, so I'm good. Um, and and I haven't been refunded my money, so I'm still really good. But but he's all about money and about like yeah, gangster, blah 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 blah. Really? And then, and then when, when the, I don't even say when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Cause that's when you are presented $17 million and it's like, this is hard. Yeah. That's... Dude, you lost, you lost your ability to yep. hustle. Like you, you've lost it. You're yeah. done. Get out, get that's... out, move, move out. That's of the way. exactly what that is. That $17 million. Yep. And he's like, I can't, this is too much. Okay. <laughs> And that, and truth be told, the guy's already worth thirty, right? You know what I mean. So that's like that's like a football player saying, "Oh well, I don't want to, you know, uh, that extra seventeen million, and I have to show up to practice every day, right? <laughs> <laughs> every day? Can we just do Monday through Friday?" Well, I'll tell you right. the the uh, the favorite thing I have about trying to Sunday, talk right? about millions Monday's of dollars. Monday and trying to conceptualize what that means, uh, especially nowadays when we're talking about billions and trillions of dollars. Um, they uh, had this at our first day of, of economics, and they said one million seconds is 11 days. One billion seconds is 31 years, yeah. and one trillion seconds is 31,000 years, you know. So 11 days to 31,000 years just That's adding just zeros insane. that people just arbitrarily put on and off to say, you know, oh, well, this is, you know, more important or less important. This is more or less valuable. And it's like, dude, it's just it's $17 million for writing signatures and processing emails. And it was too hard. No, yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, congratulations, anyway. uh, JB. I am now shaking <laughs> my head. Thank you. I appreciate that. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there yeah, it is. Yes. There it is. Mission, there mission it accomplished. So, hey, man, Nace, thanks for coming on and joining us. Totally awesome. Uh, you know, you should be looking out. Make sure you're looking out for that uh, text message of destiny because uh, you're probably going to be getting it pretty regularly. Get on here and especially talk the sports thing. Um, you know, people get a break from, you know, JB and I just sitting around talking about bands and <laughs> I don't know, the life of performing musicians or whatever. So, um, <laughs> anyway, so, and for all the folks who are out there, Hey, thanks for tuning in. Tell your family, tell your friends and, uh, we'll see y'all again on, uh, on Monday. Woo, thanks we'll guys. Have a good one. New music Mondays. So-